DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Jerry Brewer, Washington Post sports columnist. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Jerry, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. So we've heard from uh, some NBA players wondering, should they be playing basketball now? Should they go to Orlando, to the bubble? Or should they be working on social justice issues and racial inequality issues? And we've heard from players who are saying, well, we should be doing both and we should take advantage of the stage of playing in Orlando to do it. You wrote a column for the Washington Post that caught our eye. What do you think as you listen to the players have that debate pretty publicly? I think just on that debate, debate whether to play as it relates to social justice, uh, I think they would be somewhat irresponsible not to want to use their platform um, to, to send messages, you know, some overt, some subliminal, um, that can help their cause. Uh, you know, it just gets incredibly complicated when you bring in the pandemic and, and health and safety. And that one is... Um, one that I'm not sure exactly how you get there, but they had already decided that they wanted to play. And so it's already been negotiated between the players union and the owners. You know, so I think that part ultimately is, is buttoned up. I don't think it's a question of whether to play because of that. I think it's a question of how do we play? You know, what's the most responsible way to present our game? And there's all of these new options right to present the game because you're not going to play in front of in arenas in front of 19,000 people. You're going to be playing on in a closed environment and your basketball court is essentially just going to be a glorified television stage. Um, so there's some unique opportunities uh, to transmit, you know, some messages while you're trying to entertain. And I think that's where they're trying to get to with this. Um, and uh, I think because they're having the conversation, uh, they'll actually get to a place that's um, incredibly well thought, thought out and potentially powerful. You say that's potentially powerful, and certainly it is. Do you think, or maybe just you yourself, as far as the NBA, put yourself in both shoes, you personally in the NBA, is there a line there that they have to make sure they don't cross as far as being basketball players to the point of having a message and maybe overdoing the message? Any concern there? Uh, I mean, there's only so much you can do in a basketball game, right? I mean, you're not going to be pausing, like, on the middle of a fast break for, like, a quick um, social justice message. <laughs> you know, LeBron, let me hang in the air for an extra 10 seconds and let me, you know, say the name of Breonna Taylor. Like, no. Um, I mean, it's still it's still an event, you know, and it's still a sporting event and sports, the sport is still going to be at the heart of it. So no, I don't think that's a concern. I mean, you're thinking about, you know, what are you going to be your displays during breaks in action before the game? Is there going to be something after the game? Is there going to be something at halftime? Um, can you get your television partners to uh, televise those things, you know, PSAs, um, those kinds of things would all be a part of it. You know, maybe maybe it's um, something that they're wearing pregame or whatever. Um, uh, you know, so I think if people are going to be turned off by that um, and you don't want to watch a basketball game just because uh, its players are 
pleading with the rest of the nation um, to uh, care about the lives of black people, um, you know, I would question whether they're even worth having a stand, um, whether you really want their money. Um, so, uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think there's any great conflict about it because I think that you're still able to do it and people are who want to watch the basketball are still going to watch as good of a brand of basketball as you're going to get in this environment. Jerry Brewer joining us, Washington Post sports columnist. I don't know, uh, you know what kind of access you have to NBA players and what distance you're, or how close you are to what you're writing here. Uh, I'm curious, though, what players think when they see what happened with NASCAR. Because we've heard a lot about, you know, we need a national conversation. There's a level of uh, naivety, ignorance, blind spots, and we need to be educated about them. But I watch... Well, I don't watch literally, but when you hear that someone has put a noose in someone's garage, it's like, what level of conversation is going to get through to that person? You know, how, how do we possibly, and how many people are there like that out there? Do you know if players are weighing that part of the discussion or have they just set that aside and they're dealing with people over here who have blind spots and ignorance and naivety and need to be educated? Um, I mean, I think they're trying. I think they're weighing all of these. You know, what I mean, I, it was kind of crazy. You know, as I and I wrote a couple of columns on it last week, so you know, um, you know, through text message and through phone conversation, you know, there, there was you know at least a half dozen players that that, that I was talking to. Um, you know, just about a you know not just about their issue, but about you know how they think about everything. And um, I mean, they're, they're concerned. Um, they're concerned with, with, you know, overt displays of racism, you know, such as um, the noose and, and the garage stall of, of Bubba Wallace's car. Um, but they're also concerned about, um, you know, systemic, you know, more, more, more subtle ways that racism moves. Uh, mostly they're, they're about a couple of things. They're about um, wanting to, to shout it down um, and, they're about wanting to do something in which they can they can unify people who want to support this effort, and uh, I think everything that they're thinking is along those lines. I mean, you know, I mean, there's some who who um, you know have this thought of of protest or boycott, but you know, I would push back at them and say, you know, normally when you're going to boycott something um, or protest something, it's because um, those people aren't listening to you. It's incredibly hard for you to want to boycott Adam Silver and the NBA when their ears are wide open. Um, you know, in those cases, you don't boycott them, you partner with them. Um, and uh, I think the overwhelming sentiment from players is just um, we don't want to lose this moment and we want to do something powerful in this moment. But um, their moment is a little bit different than the moment that Colin Kaepernick chose when he was a, you know, a bit of a lone wolf, you know, standing there um, kneeling when there was only, um, you know, two or three players in the league um, willing to take such a stance. Um, but the league was pretty much, you know, I don't want to hear your concern about this. Uh, in this case, it's totally different um, from the NBA. So the players want to keep it raw and they want to be connected with the people who, are walking the streets, uh, you know, however you have 
as much support from your league um, as as any sports league in America. And you have to recognize that you want to use that. You don't want to rebel against something um, that's supporting you. You know, you need to use that. Have you been able to follow Donovan Mitchell? He's been active on social media here with a couple of things he's put out as far as the social justice issue and to see what he's been able to do. Yeah, man, I'm a I'm a Louisville basketball fan basically since birth. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is someone who, yeah, I mean, I've followed him since high school, and he's one of the five or ten players in the league that, that I follow the most. I mean, I think he's... Um, He's just an he's an incredible player, first of all, and as he finds his voice as a young man, um, I think I think he he's understanding um, his power and his impact. And I just you know I, I love um, you know there's always been for me kind of this affinity um, with with the Jazz organization because uh, way back in the day, Daryl Griffith. Um, you know, another, you know, Dr. Duncanstein, another great global player, um, played for the Jazz. And then now um, Donovan Mitchell is there starring, you know, um, has a chance to be potentially even better than Daryl Griffith was. Uh, certainly his high is better than Daryl Griffith's high. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've followed him. And I just think he's, um, uh, you know, he appears to be a tremendous young man. And because his heart is in the right place, um, I think his messaging has been as responsible and as as impactful as any stars in the NBA. Jerry Brewer joining us, Washington Post sports columnist. Uh, You've clearly got a sense of the history of the sport and clearly got some passion for it. So as you watch this tournament unfold in Orlando, how do you place it in the history of the game, or do you even worry about that right now, given everything else going on? Yeah, I worry about it. I think there's, I think there's a chance that it could really look like a deformed version of the NBA. Um, I do worry about the, the quality of play. Um, I worry about also just what it, um, what it says. You know, on, on one hand, um, you're trying to tie yourself to saying that Black Lives Matter. On the other hand, um, a league that is predominantly black, um, you're, you're you're essentially going out and, and throwing a little bit of caution to the wind out there and going and playing because we just don't we still don't have a good grasp on um, how dangerous this virus is. You know, it's dangerous enough to shut down economies for a period of time and keep us in our houses, but. Um, now, you know, sports is trying to make this uh, impact by coming back and salvaging what money they have uh, or what money is, is they can salvage, you know, what it, a couple of billion uh, potentially, um, you know, which is, you know, roughly what, about 51% of that goes to the players, 49 to the owners, so they're both in it for about a billion dollars. Um, you do wonder, is, is this ultimately going to be worth it? Um, the way... The, the as erratic as this virus is, you know, my big concern is just um, you might be able to get started, but are you going to finish? And um, if it's if it's the, the the Utah Jazz and the Lakers in the conference semifinal, and it's two two, and you have to suspend the rest of the season because there's too much of an outbreak of coronavirus, um, 
that's going to be emptier than ending the season on March 11th when everybody's played 64, 65 games. A couple of weeks back, you wrote a piece where you talked about the lowest moments of your life. You just rediscovered the gift of hope, I guess, basically in sports. Could you amplify that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, like a lot of people, I mean, I think it kind of transcends race. Uh, we were just really down, um, you know, after George Floyd's death and then, um, you know, the continuation of death and just watching cities burn, you know, as people uh, not only peacefully protested, but rioted and looted. And, um, you know, my, my thought was just, we're just not going to get it. We're never going to get there. This is something that that has, uh, has gone on long before any of us were born, and I'm going to die not seeing progress that is satisfying. So that's kind of the place that I was in. I mean, I, I've always been a very hopeful, optimistic person. You know, I'm the kid who, uh, you know, Black History Month recited the I Have a Dream speech, you know, every um, every February um, in front of big audiences uh, growing up in Kentucky. Um, but, you know, at that moment, I really did feel like my, type, my tank was empty. But, uh, you know, one thing that sports has taught me is it's about the striving. Um, it's it's not about perfection. It's about striving. Um, you know, I love that about sports. You know, you you win or you lose. You go and and, and you um, watch the film, and you try to come back and, and get better. And I think that same kind of ethic uh, is is what this fight is about. Uh, so I wanted to you know essentially that that was. Um, it starts out depressing in that column, but it's about, really, it's kind of a, an ode to people who continue to strive. And uh, there's, just, there's something um, really powerful in sports and kind of seeing that. I love comebacks, you know, that notion that, um, you know, you're down 20 points in the second quarter. You, you come back and win because you refuse to quit. Um, and, uh, you know, in society... Uh, we've been down, even though we don't realize it, for a long time. But you know, there's still people who are, you know, fighting. You know, let's you know, let's try to get on this six-zero run, and and let's just try to nibble at this and see if we can get back in the lead. A lot of people listening to you right there heard you drop a lot of Jerry Sloanisms right there. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> It's about the struggle. Come back tomorrow. What have you got? Show me what you've got. Are you just going to roll over and take another beating? Or are you going to plant your feet and all that stuff? We heard that stuff for years. Jerry Brewer joining us, Washington Post sports columnist. So uh, I'm curious your take on, uh, you know, players. They are um, so popular, especially the stars, and there's so much celebrity. And there's people doing the work who would like to partner with them but can't reach them. They are by necessity kind of walled off. And it's been getting more that way, whether uh, even little things, you know, just you know, when you can talk to them before and after games, everything gets more structured and less, less real. Do you think some of those walls are going to come down in this area? Do you think we're going to see more 
players partnering with organizations that already exist, or are they going to do their own thing? Um, I hope some of those walls come down, uh, but I, I think um, it's going to be incredibly difficult. You know, I mean, I think a lot of players are just about, um, you know, as they try to, as they really get into true empowerment, um, a lot of it is I can do, I can create what you're trying to create on my own. Um, there's really been that kind of a, of a mentality, but um, there's something about this one and, and seeing so many players um, walking the streets with the people. Um, hopefully, I think, and, and also being in isolation um, for a large part of, of three months, um, I think you start to realize that connection matters, and um, you know it's not just about you and your legacy. Um, you know, the greatest legacy you can have is, is, uh, is being there for other people. And so I think um, some players, I think a Donovan Mitchell, as, as we um, discussed earlier, I think he's somebody who's going to connect with that and, and um, be as open as he can be. I think it's also easier um, for, for, for Donovan to do it um, in one of the NBA's quote-unquote smaller markets as opposed to um, you know, maybe LeBron, who's just this big international icon, um, now playing in Los Angeles. But um, I think there's um, there is going to be. I think as you know, as things, if as we come out of this, you know, period, this quarantine period, um, I think on a lot of levels, people are going to want to um, partner and respect and connect with others. And I think NBA players um, will be a part of that spirit. You know, the question for everyone just becomes when things get back to as close to normal and everything's comfortable again, are you going to just fall back into your old ways or will you have created a new normal that works better for everyone? And um, I hope that's something that NBA players are weighing because it's certainly something that, that, that I weigh, um, you know, just thinking about this time. Jerry, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Uh, anytime. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, guys. Jerry Brewer, Washington Post sports columnist. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. According to reports, all the Jazz players except Bojan Bogdanovic have returned to Salt Lake City as they begin their training in earnest for the resumption of the NBA season. The Toronto Raptors arrived in southwest Florida to begin their preparations for the start of this season. The reigning NBA champs will train at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, making it their home base before they travel to Orlando around July 7th. Wizards forward Davis Bertrands will sit out the NBA's restart in Orlando as a preventive measures prepares for free agency, coming off his best shooting season as a pro. He suffered two previous ACL injuries in his career and expects to cash in during free agency. Other pros who will not play in the restart include Blazers forward Trevor Ariza, who's opting out of participating in the NBA's Orlando restart of the season, committing instead to a one-month visitation window with his young son. 
That's your back to basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, to The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. We're still months away from what could be the potential kickoff. That's our focus. But as I've said repeatedly, we have to prepare to adjust to the circumstances, just like we're adjusting right now after the last four or five days. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on the need for college football programs to be adaptable here in the two months before the season is scheduled to kick off. Boise State closed their campus facilities, community-based community coronavirus cases, not just with athletes, but eight on campus. So they're shutting things down for the rest of the week. The Patriot League has announced that they're not playing some of the uh, non-conference games that people might have expected, the money games. Uh, Fordham was supposed to go to Hawaii. Yeah, that seems pretty tricky right now. What was So it? was I. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> A lot of trips to Hawaii getting canceled because 14-day quarantine when you arrive in Hawaii. So you got a week off, you can't spend it all in quarantine. Feeling pretty good about the college football season, PK? Or the doubts have been creeping in the last 10 days? Well, it depends on who you listen to because, you know, the number of cases is going up. But if you read some folks, they say, well, the number of deaths is going down and and that's what really matters. So, you know, what is it that's important? Obviously, life is important or should be important, certainly. And uh, But which news channel are you turning on? Just what what is the agenda? What social media account are you looking at? Because everybody has an agenda now. And what is their agenda? I don't know that it, it really frustrates me to say that I don't know what news sources I can trust really anymore. And that's for someone who grew up in the news business and was trained to be apolitical because you were supposed to present the news and the news speaks for itself. I don't think that's the case anymore. And that's shocking to me to have to say, but I think that's the reality of the situation. So, you know, what is the agenda of who's saying what? So, as I look at it to answer your question, I'm more nervous today than I was last week, but I do think they're going to try to make a go of it if for no other reason that there's a ton of money at stake. And when money's at stake... It matters to people. I mean, their livelihood, their happiness, their well-being, their viability, all those words, whatever words you want to put in there. So I have a level of optimism, but is it being dented to an extent? Probably. Is it justifiably being dented? I'm not sure. See, I think that um, your point about the money is spot on. And when you say that, I always wonder, well, how do people think about the money? You know, this is the money that's going to get somebody rich. So they'll go do whatever they can to get the money that's going to get them rich. You know, this is money that's going to be spread yeah. across an athletic department and a lot of people's jobs are at stake. And the, um, uh, what, what kind of the, the foundation that departments are built on could be altered for a long time if they let a lot of people go. 
You know, it'll take a long, it can be built yeah, back up, yeah. but it'll take a long time to build it back up. So from the institutional angle, they don't want to tear themselves down. You know, now our agenda, to be perfectly clear, you know, we've been doing this long enough. We know a lot of people in a lot of athletic departments that have jobs that both you've heard of and that you've never heard of or considered. And those people will be impacted and we don't want them to be impacted, although we're perfectly aware it could happen. Uh, but I think as a leader of a department, you're aware of both of those things. So I do think they're going to push ahead, quote unquote, because of the money. And I know that sounds awful, but actually when you dig into it, it's a little, there's a little more, uh, I don't know, there's a little more heart and compassion and feeling in that than you might think when you say it's all about the money. It is all about the money, but this is going to impact a lot of people who aren't wealthy, who aren't rich beyond belief, who don't make exorbitant salaries, who you don't know about. I do think the thing that's given me pause in the last 10 days watching this is that while um, we've seen that the, the positive tests come back. And I think when you're in the two week window, even if you're asymptomatic, you can't play. You know, you may not die, but you have and, and maybe this has been brought up lately, too. Maybe there'll be long term health consequences we don't understand. You know, does it damage your right. lungs or other organs? Yeah. I can't possibly yeah. begin to answer that. I know what I've read, but I'm not clear on it. Um, so that's a risk everyone's got to kind of assess for themselves to some degree, too. But what definitely has to happen is when you've got it, you how many people you pass it to really matters. You know, do you pass it to zero person, to one person, to five per people, to 50 people? You know, you're one of the super spreaders, right? So when you test positive, I can see games being postponed because a team has a big outbreak. I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think that's going to cancel seasons. But I do think there's got to be some flexibility about if they're going to try and complete the season all the way through the playoffs and the conference title games, there's, there's a little dead time before the Bulls start. So do they move the conference title games back a week or two so they can reschedule? If not, I, I don't know how many games are going to be missed. I have no feel for that. But if you need to reschedule a game or two, maybe you miss four. But at least you can replay one or two of them and reschedule one or two of them. Uh, are they going to do that and account for that? To me, that scenario is a little more in play than it was 10 days ago. Whether it'll be in play in two months or in six months, I have no idea. But it, that's something that's occurred to me over the last 10 days they need to account for. Well, if it's occurred to you, then it's occurred to me. Sweet. Even if it didn't occur to me, now that you say it, it's occurred to you, now it occurs to me. <laughs> right. I actually get that, believe it or not. Yeah. Other stuff we have talked about today. Uh, do, you, uh, do you want to hear the crowd noise piped in? What do, you, what do you need for the full enjoyment of the game? You like Some people like hearing the athletes talk to each other. Some people miss the roar of the crowd. Um, what do you want these games to sound like when they, they come back? We were doing the what have you been watching thing. And at lunchtime yesterday, I sat down, I was flicking around, and I hit an English soccer game, and they're piping the noise in. And at that moment, the announcers were talking about it. If you don't like the crowd noise, you can flip over and listen on a stream, and you'll just hear the players, and you can hear all that. And some people are into that. We've watched golf and, you know, we've heard exchanges between players and all that, between players and caddies. Some people are really getting into hearing that about, you know, 178 yards out, which cloud, which uh, club do you want to use? And hearing the doubt in a guy's voice. What do, you, what do you want to hear when football starts up, PK, or when the NBA starts up? I want them to be in a natural environment, and I don't want to invade their territory. 
I want them to be able to be free to do what they do. And if it becomes a problem, then I think they should turn the mics off. So if I have to hear nothing, I would rather hear nothing than them being put in bad situations. Because, you know, people use levels of motivation, what have you, and even if they don't necessarily mean it and they just basically say, man, those other guys, they think they're all that. What are you going to do about it? You know, that type of thing. And it's not – they're just using it to motivate their team. Well, I don't want somebody to be have to held accountable for that and somebody else to be offended by that. So I don't want to get the lack of fans – in, have it get in the way of players and coaches being able to do their thing. I'd rather have no sound and allow them to be able to do what they naturally do and not have to answer for it in the moment. Pipe in the crowd noise then, because that's that'll give you what you want. If the crowd noise is piped in, then you're not going to hear the conversations. You're not going to hear <clears throat> any derogatory statements. You won't hear uh, the swearing that you might at the same level because we got a little bit of that. The PJ Tour came back and Jim Nance had to apologize almost immediately. Right, and that's that's not fair to Jim Nance. It's not fair to CBS. It's not fair to the player. Uh, So I'd rather not have that because they say what they say. And because you say that during the moment doesn't mean, oh, you're a bad person and that's who you are and blah, 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 and you can't be trusted and who knows how much you can extrapolate. Because I've heard this from BYU, and I've heard coaches and players complain about stuff being picked up during games and then people being offended by it. And guys who serve missions and are faithful members of their faith say stuff. So I don't think they should be held accountable to the term of they have to apologize for something. You know, if you use a racial slur, that's another idea. I mean, that's completely different. I'm not talking about that, obviously. I'm talking about just swear words, basically. Or we've we've heard, we've seen little sights of it. Man, this guy can't guard you. He's trash. Well, you would never say that publicly. You're trying to motivate your fellow teammate. You're... One time, I was I was down at uh, in Fort Worth, and TCU. They didn't have a good basketball team for a lot of years, right? So, and they had an old gym. I think they still have it, but there's hardly ever anybody there. And one time, BYU's playing, and <laughs> uh, Austin Ainge is out on the floor, right? And I'm sitting a uh, courtside, and as I can hear stuff, right? And one of his teammates fouls somebody, <laughs> and Austin just turns around and says. Don't foul him. He's not a good shooter. Why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's the type of stuff that is said in the moment and could be construed as disrespectful. And then, heaven forbid, if we have some racial thing where a white guy says it about white, and who knows where it's going to go. You know what I mean? And I don't want that stuff out there if it impacts the game negatively. I want those guys to be natural and do what they do. And I can name you what I just said about Austin. I can name you tons of examples about that. Yeah, easy. So when I first moved here and was still figuring stuff out, and Yach 
I don't know how old you would have been, Yach. Too young that you shouldn't have been up this late watching this game, but you probably know the story anyway. It was a it was a game at Hawaii, so it was like one o'clock in the morning, and you probably would have Byron been in elementary Rex, school. Right? Well, yeah, I wasn't even going to name him, but yes, okay. So Cougar tight end Byron he's, Rex. He's it's a, everybody knows story. It's a legendary story, right? Actually, yeah. I just saw the replay of this exact moment on social media over the weekend. Oh, did you really? Yes. Okay, so he scores a touchdown in Hawaii, and you know the fans are on or whatever, and he scores and he turns into the crowd apparently a bleep you, bleep you all, right? And it was such a thing, Pecan. I wasn't doing radio at that point. And it was, you know, and you can just imagine, right? How could a BYU player say that, right? <laughs> You're like, well, would a Ute say that? Of course, the dirty Utes would say that. And, and so there was a discussion at the station and somebody said something about San Diego State. I'm like, I am sure San Diego State and UC Santa Barbara players have said stuff like that. There's no doubt in my mind they've said stuff like that. But they don't have the fan base to have the games televised. This is pre-everything is televised, right? This is only on because of the Blue and White Network and BYU putting BYU and Air Force games on. And in this era, it was unusual to have this many games on the schedule that were on TV. And all their games were on TV at that point. And San Diego State was probably playing two or three games that were on TV. You know, of course they say it, but they don't have it on TV. And if they do, they don't have an expensive enough broadcast to put microphones and cameras in the end zone and hear that stuff. Even on a TV game, a guy could say and be anonymous. So to your point of, you know, putting cameras and mics in places they aren't normally could change stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. So you're really going with the put the crowd noise on there and drown all of this out. Oh no, I'm, I put no have no microphones. It's not necessarily. Well, crowd we want to hear the ball bounce because we're yeah, used to that. I, I don't care. Uh, fine, whatever. Uh, or take the mics out of it so you only hear some. I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it, uh, but I don't want these guys to be held accountable. Back in the day, we used to be able to attend practices, actual practices. And I can remember there's a BYU football player, and it was a practice. It was during the season, and he was getting frustrated. And he came off the field over to the sideline. And from the time he ran from the side from the field to the sideline, I think he said the f bomb twelve times. <laughs> he was just so wound up in the moment. Guy's nicest guy you ever gonna meet. No, nobody batted an eyelash. You know, back I certainly didn't say anything. It was just stuff you heard all the time, and it's things you just roll with it because it's a competitive environment. You're not going to church. He didn't say, "Hey, brother, how the f are you?" You know, how was how's your Sunday going? I mean, it's it's a different environment deal. So I just don't want these guys to have to be held accountable for saying stuff that we normally wouldn't hear. Now all of a sudden we're hearing. I want them to be in their natural habitat and do what they do. So whatever they need to do to take care of that, do it. If it's crowd noise, if it's laugh tracks. Uh, you can put in the Starlight vocal band and just uh, have Afternoon Delight being sung the whole time. No, thanks. Whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't care. Crowd noise up. Crowd noise up, video games. They're fine. Do it. Get on with it. All right, DJ and PK, that's some of what we've been talking about today. We also had Kurt Cragthorpe on. If you missed that conversation, uh, the Utah Championship, Oak Ridge Country Club, really good golf. Yes, it's the AAA Tour. No, these guys aren't the main tour, but they are still really good. Guys with local ties in the tournament. If you missed that interview, get it at 1280thezone.com or Stitcher, Spotify, uh, 
Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the entire show there. It's all up, including a conversation with Kirk Cragthorpe. And we just talked to Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Got a poll question up. You want that sound piped in? Only 5% of you do. 68% of you want to be able to hear Joe Ingles' sarcasm. 27% of you want to hear all the strategy. Uh, got a lot of comments on this one. Uh, players and coaches, they need to make the situation unique and interesting, not just a low-budget attempt to recreate the norm. Let's have some fun with it. Now, PK, I think you can sign off on that in a heartbeat. You got any crazy ideas to have fun with it? Anything off the top of your head? Totally nutso? Weird? Bizarro? <laughs> Do I want bizarre? Okay, just fun. How about that? It's up to the players on what they're comfortable with. You know, I think with the baseball situation, they did it in spring training, and they do it in the All-Star game, right? They, they'll mic uh, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, and those guys are outfielders, so they've got 30 yards between them and the next guys, right? So the announcers can carry on a conversation. What I wouldn't have, what I wouldn't like is someone who's mic'd up but the other player, uh, particularly if he's on an opposing teammate, he doesn't know it. And he says stuff. And it, he has to apologize for it. It, it. Again, not racial slurs or any of that stuff. But just like, oh, you know, you bleepity bleeper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever said. I don't want that stuff getting in the way of these guys being able to do their jobs. Because for me, the competition is enough. But I get they're trying to be innovative, and they're trying to do things that bring in more. They've already got me. They don't need to do anything. I am hooked. I will be hooked literally until I leave this earth. There's no question about it. I can't imagine any time that the NBA Finals is being played or college football Saturday and the Pac-12 is being played. Maybe there'll be a time in my life where I just won't care, but there hasn't been yet. (laughs) Uh, Gordon tweets at us, I hate artificial noise on any show. I don't like laugh tracks on comedies. I don't want bird calls piped in at the Masters. Change it up. Give us a more intimate experience. All right, so that's where you can actually hear Quinn calling out plays. You can actually hear players talking to each other. As long as it doesn't interfere with the competition. That's that's my one big stickler. Yeah. I'm going to stay on that. I don't want it getting in the way of the actual competition. And I think there's ways to do that. And they do it to an extent. You know, they they don't show a huddle live, but they'll show it after the fact. So if there's anything insensitive or uh, that could be viewed as offensive, they take it out. Uh, so they got to figure out what to do to get to the line, but don't cross it. And as someone who is charged with getting to the line and not crossing it, sometimes that's hard. <laughs> and sometimes you cross the line and you make a mistake. 
And then I don't want to have them help be held accountable because I've been in that situation. You know, be edgy, be this, be that. Okay, well, sometimes in the course of saying something, you get to the line and you straddle the line or maybe you go a couple yards beyond the line. That wasn't your intent, but you're trying to do your job. And so then you carry it a little too far. Now, fortunately, obviously, I've never had to pay the price for it. So the, the management has understood that. And they may say, hey, you know, you got a little too close. But it's never been where I had to pay the ultimate for it, obviously, and I'm grateful for that. But that's a fine line that you're trying to reach to be uh, as entertaining as you can but not go overboard. Sometimes in order to know what is overboard, you go overboard. You follow me? You don't know. You know. You don't know where the line is until you cross it. Sometimes that's it's, just the reality of it. Yeah, it, it's no different than playing sports. And there's the sideline. And you didn't mean to run out of bounds or dribble out of bounds, but you did. But that's what happens when you get close to the sideline. Sometimes. So if they're trying to make it more entertaining, there may be occasion where the line was crossed, but I don't want a big deal about it. And, you know, when Rom said what he said in that first day, Nance did the quick apology, and we did move on. It's not like, all oh, hell broke loose, and, and John Rom was going to be suspended, and CBS was going to be fined, and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't that big of a deal. But I appreciate trying to come up with new ways to make things more innovative and entertaining. Joshua says, I want the refs mic'd. That would be entertainment. And Doug will give Doug the last word. He says, they should allow each local affiliate the ability to add their own drops. How you hanging on? Where you at? San Bernardino. <laughs> you don't sound like a Debbie. You get the idea. Okay. All right. Thank you, That's Doug. entertaining. Yeah, there Thank you go. You. Thank you, Doug. All right. We're out of time. Coming up next, it's Hans and Scotty right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll see you tomorrow morning. You don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I did one for a long time. <laughs> All right.